Hello and welcome. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and this is a new spin on autism. Answers. Today we have a wonderful guest. I'm really excited to uh, introduce her to you. Today's theme is start clowning around. And so my guest calls herself a counselor. How perfect is that? Her name is Cleone Reed, and she's actually also my editor and very dear friend. Um, I'll get into, when I introduce her, I'll get into explaining why I love her so much. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about today's theme, start clowning around. Okay, so way back, people are always asking me, you know, Lynette, what is it that you did that was so different that made it so that three of your children were, of your autistic children were able to come off of the spectrum of autism? And one of the things is one of the therapies called neurofeedback. And I mean, it's a very exciting to share all the information, but mostly it was the way I lived. And it's really not very copyable. And I think today's show will help you to understand why you might want to learn lessons from my life, but definitely not live them. You'd have to be a little bit goofy or clownish to uh, to be the me that I was at that time. So here I was, I had all these children. I had eight children and, and six are adopted and five are special and four on the spectrum of autism. And I'm trying to raise them as a single parent most of the time. So of course, money's an issue often. And I get it in my head that maybe I could run a, you know, sort of a character birthday party kind of company. And I send out flyers. I call myself Lunetta the Clown. And, you know, I, I'm all ready to do work. And I get a phone call. And it's literally from a conference where they pay p- pretty well. Um, but it's during the day on a Saturday. And I'm like, oh, of course I can do that. Absolutely. Of course. I'll be there with bells on. And as I'm saying that I can do this job that I've never done in my life and have no costume for, I'm realizing that I'm not going to have daycare and I have a problem. So I go, as a matter of fact, we have a clown family for you. So I hang up. I know, that's Cleon. She's laughing already. I swear, this is really true. My children, they have so many stories about me. So I hang up the phone and I'm like, oh no, now what? So I run around and I get balloons that I stick in hair and you do all these different things. And I'm thinking, okay, these guys are autistic. They act really weird. How can I turn that into a show? So I create all this stuff where I create like a fenced in area. And my one son is mute, but he makes a lot of crazy sounds like, so (laughs) I literally pile us into this conference, put us in a picket fence area and try to turn chaos into comedy. We looked a lot like the uh, 75 million stooges with lots of makeup that was getting wiped off and eaten off and hair pulled. And and uh, we were not invited back, I, I have to admit. I never got another job as a result of that job. But I did make $600 and go get a whole lot of groceries. So... <laughs> So that is, you know, a piece of my past and one of the things that that made my life so different from the lives of many of the other parents is that I was sort of uh, forced to come up with stuff at every turn because I was a single parent of so many special kids. And since I was a performer, I did it with flair. 
So we were the clown family for a day. That was pretty funny. And then as I moved into the world of working with autism, I started to discover that this aspect of me, this wingy, crazy, silly aspect of me was golden. It was the part of me that was able to connect with kids. It was able to really make a difference. And I really, you know, I, I remember writing a, an article once and a mom had, had sent in a letter and said, you know, how do you make an unlikable child likable? And I had answered, uh, the way to make an unlikable child likable is to like them. And I think that that sort of works in reverse as well. The way to make unlikable parents or professionals likable is to be loving and, and, and embracing and, and un, uh, sort of surprising. And it's important with autism because, as everyone knows, it's kind of hard to bond with them unless you have something about you that is fully, fully accepting. Okay, so today's guest, Cleone Reed. She is um, she's the editing partner or the publishing partner of Robert D. Reed Publishers. And when I was looking to find a publisher for my book, um, I got a few people that showed interest. And there was a very, very specific reason that I decided that I was in love with this, this group of publishers. And it was because on their contract, the last stands of the contract. Actually, you actually sign a contract that says you promise you will have fun. And for me, that was that was a, a clincher. Um, she's um, been a clown for a long time. Uh, she's actually retired from clowning now, but when I talked to her about doing this, it was for two reasons. One is because I remember her sending me pictures with her, her and her husband as a clown. So I know that she must be able to relate to the clown family concept and because she calls herself a counselor, and I just really badly want to know why she does that. So, Cleon, welcome. Wow, thank you. You're welcome. Wow. <laughs> that was a long intro long and a big intro. story. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> delightful. It just had me thinking. And going oh, I love that I could hear you laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was so oh. awesome. So, so tell us a little bit, Cleon, about clowning for you. What's the what's the story of when you began, and what drew you to being a clown? Well, in 1994, 93, it started. I uh, went to the Milwaukee, the Great Circus Parade in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for I don't know how many times I'd already been there, and I thought, if I ever come here again, I'm going to be in it. So, in 1994, I was in the Great Circus Parade, which was not a small feat. And, well, how did you uh, pull it off? Well, I there was a billboard in Wisconsin that had Happy uh, Jim Williams from the circus um, from the Great Circus Museum in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And so I call, I wrote to him, and I said, I want to be a clown, and I want to, I want to go to some training or something. I want to get in the clown world. I don't want to just go to some therapy workshop where they have a humor day or something. I wanted to be a clown. And uh, he invited me to his house. So I drove a hundred miles or whatever and sat in his kitchen and had my first makeup lesson. And then he mentored me through the process because to be in the Great Circus Parade, you have to look good. 
So that was I, definitely something I was missing that day. <laughs> <laughs> was a few so lessons in class. I, yeah. <laughs> so I really know how to look good. And uh, so I got in that parade, and in uh, in the last 17 years, with a few years of breaks here and there, like I stopped in '04, and then last year I got back into it again. Uh, I've had 166 people be clowns for at least a day in response to my work. I've taught clown workshops. I've taught a clown camp for kids. Uh, south of here with another friend for a week, and then we put on a performance for the community. That's awesome. And then, like, just on July 4th, I had my first real international clown group. This was really fun for the parade. I had a little girl who was just about to turn 10. She was born on National Prayer Day after 9-11, the 14th and September, and she's multicultural in background. She's adopted, and she's partially... African, partially Korean, part Italian, part French, and part one other thing I forgot. And she's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And then I had a man who is, oh, I don't know, 60-something, and he's Japanese with a long, pointy, gray beard. And then I had his wife, who was Mexican. Oh, my goodness. And then I had another friend who's, you know, American, European. Yeah. And so it was just a, mo- and it was so fun. And those two, the the adults said it was the most fun trip they ever had. Oh, that's so awesome. the clowning is for the little child and everybody. And I've worked with more adults than children, but I have worked with, you know, kids here and there, like the clown camp. That was all kids, and there were some special needs kids in that. So experience. tell me something. Um, you know how they say that some children are afraid of clowns, like you see the oh god, yes. clown, you know, clown horror stories and all of that stuff. So, in your experience, do you think that children are drawn to clowns or frightened by clowns? What would you say is the the bigger reaction? Well, um, it's okay. Either I don't good. know. <laughs> I have no idea the percentages. The people who love clowns love me, want to hug me. Lots of people are afraid of clowns. I taught clowning a couple weeks ago in the summer camp school here. And there were 60 kids lined up on the sidewalk one day. Well, normally there's 35 kids who attend. I had 23 that day. And I had enough wigs and collars and bows and stuff to put everybody in, like, little partial clown. I mean, they were all running around. I got a photo shoot of 23 kids with wigs on. Um, But there are some, and not only kids, adults. I one time went to a clown thing where they they had the, these puppeteers from Portland come down to a little coastal town, Port Orford here, south of us. And it was a fabulous show, like thousands of dollars worth of costuming and, and talent, right? And there was one woman that was so afraid of the three of us Christmas clowns. We had peanuts, pecan, and pistachio that day. She was so afraid of the clowns that she left the theater. She wouldn't even be in the same building. That's so, so I don't know the word for clown phobia. It's a big word, but I should have looked that up. That would be good for me to have in my noodle. But um, 
people are petrified because there are so many naughty clowns. There's, you know, they play tricks on other people. They've got, they're all white and their skin is all covered and they look like they're some creatures from another planet. And in movies, they do terrible things. They're criminals. They're scary. They're nasty. Right. So, so it's a phobia they, implanted. Can, yeah, and they don't differentiate between a loving, caring clown and the, some of the old naughty clowns. Okay, Cleon, I have to reintroduce you. And when I come back from that introduction, I want to um, ask you what you do when somebody's frightened by your clownishness or your, your costuming. So this, we are talking with Cleon Reed. She is a counselor, longtime clown, um, who actually retired from clowning, came back and, and did a family clowning thing, which we'll also talk to her about a little bit. Um, we're applying the concept of clowning to bringing children out and connecting with us and also kind of becoming aware of what would frighten them and what to do under those circumstances. And Cleone is also a partner in publishing with Robert D. Reed Publisher. She's a wonderful friend. Um, when she was editing my book, she was so patient with me and so aware that it was very important to me to say things in a certain way and happy to share with me her own journey as she read my book. It was just um, a delight and still is a wonderful delight to work with her. And stick around after uh, Cleona and I finish talking because, of course, we were going to have stories from the road. <laughs> Wherein we will tie all this together. <laughs> okay, so Cleone, um, tell me, what do you do when you come across somebody, a child, let's say a child, what do you do when you come across a child? that is very frightened by the fact that you're in clown garb? I back away. Good. Um, I never, ever force anybody to try to be interested in me. And I make sure the parents don't. Um, I let people watch me from a distance. Sometimes I'll exaggerate fear. Like I'm a, you know, sometimes clowns will exaggerate they're afraid of the kid, by ba- but at the same time backing away. So the child um, gets the power. Oh, absolutely. Always, in everything, in clowning, the audience has the power. The children have the power. That's key. Okay, um, that's, that's huge, and, actually. And, and they define us. They define us if we're scary, if we're lovable, if we're funny, if we're... Anything, any kind of words, it's whatever. It's like, there's a saying one time I went to this museum in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, when they just opened the um, EEA Museum, which is Experimental Aircraft or something like that, small airplane. And a guy says, if there's one plane in the sky and there's a thousand people on the ground, there's really a thousand planes in the sky. So it's the same thing. When I'm a clown, if there's 50 kids there, I'm 50 different people because everybody has their own way of looking at me. And so when I teach clowning, one of the first things I do is talk about respecting the audience and letting them define us. We're like an empty slate for them to play with, for them to respond to, for them to get us, you know. So I, I say that I have to be kind of in two places of consciousness at the same time. 
I have to be in an observing place of consciousness where I'm very aware of what's going on in a very compassionate, loving place. And at the same time, I have to be in react mode, um, but reacting from a place of love. I cannot take anything personally. You know, if somebody is afraid of me or doesn't like me or doesn't want to do it. So to me, clowning is probably one of the highest callings to love that I've ever experienced. And that's what it's all about for me. That's beautiful. Have you ever had an experience or story you want to share with someone who's autistic or special needs in any way? Yeah, it's summer camp. There was a teen there was a teenage boy who was I don't know what his diagnosis was. I don't I have no idea. But I know he was special needs and a very low self concept. By the end of the week when he learned how to do a magic trip, when he learned how to put a needle through a balloon in front of 100 people, his self-esteem skyrocketed. A little girl wasn't a special needs, per se, but she was extraordinarily shy. She was, she was maybe seven years old, and she walked into the room, and she held on to the back of her dad's pant leg and would hardly peek around to look at me. By the end of the week, she was dressed in full clown. She was performing in front of 100 people in the community, or however many. And she came running back into the dressing room afterwards. And, and she's just screaming, I did it, 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 I did it. I did it. <laughs> we all love those moments, huh? Oh, her name was Sparkle. <laughs> that, that detail just popped into my head last night when I was, I don't know what possessed me last night. But I started writing all the clown names that I've had over the years. And I came up with 99 out of 160. Oh, my God. I have research to do to figure out. You're like the, you're like the <laughs> multiple personality clown. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Okay, I have six clown characters. That's so neat. And they each basically represent a different stage of my life, a different stage of consciousness. And I say not only am I clownseller, um, because I think it's very therapeutic, the work that I do with people, and it uses a lot of my counseling skills as well, is um, I say I'm a multiple personality of a deliberate kind. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, now I have a question. I know, Cleon, that you do know somebody that, because um, when we were editing my book, you were talking about uh, knowing a friend has an autistic child or Ryan, in your yeah. life is autistic. So yeah, I have a question Ryan. about that. Do you, now, wait, so there's when you're in clown costume is one thing, but when you're just being with children or special kids, and, and I want you to, if you have a story or, or, or anything to share, um, when you try to connect in some way with somebody who is different, and perhaps this child has has a story for you to share with us and you're not in costume do you take any of the aspects that you've learned as a result of being a clown and bring it with you to try and bond or do you oh and ryan came to my house for his 21st birthday when they were driving up the coast i made him a water i instead of a birthday cake i made him a watermelon with um with a face on it with grapes a grape wig and and, um, you know, so I did this a fun, creative thing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and Ryan have matching big striped shirts. So every time <laughs> we go to their house, 
Bob wears his navy and red shirt, and Ryan greets us with his navy and red shirt that we got when I, I stayed with this family when my husband had a heart attack and bypass surgery, and I was, so I was, I saw Ryan, you know, all the time. And um, what about, you describe something that I actually teach, that you're doing as a clown. What about if he shows an aversion to something you're doing? Do you chase him to try to get him to accept it, or do you back away and show it from a distance? Oh, I never chase him. There you go. And it's, you know, his house is like, it's like going into a spiritual sanctuary. They are so loving and accepting. It's like they get into his world. And like Julie, his mom, will say, um, isn't it just fascinating? You know, and, and, and she'll just try to imagine what it's like to be in his world. And and we just have patience and we let him tell stories. And he sets the pace about how much he touches us or how much he backs away. And, you know, and he touches a little bit more now than he used to. And, That's you know, yeah. you know I, I try to explain that when you chase somebody, the automatic response is to either fight back or run away. So either way, chasing never is a good plan. Oh, no. You have to invite them into your Yes. Space. Beautiful. Okay. One, bef- yeah. okay. Okay. Before I, before I lose you, because we have a clock thing here, so we have to keep track of time. Um, okay. I saw Bob and you, pictures of Bob and you in co- clown costume. Now, how did you get your husband to decide to clown with you? It took eight years. <laughs> That's patience. That's not chasing. That's inviting. <laughs> well, he didn't want to interfere with my world. He thought that was my world. And, you know, and when I met him, I went, I'm the clown, but he's the funny one. I mean, he's hilarious. You know, I'm loving and caring and, you know, but, you know, it's hard for me to be funny on purpose. I'm just funny when it just happens, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his family came up last year on July 4th, and I ended up putting everybody in clown, six people. He got in clown for the first time in response to his littlest, his youngest granddaughter, who at the time was six, and his youngest grandson, who was at the time eight, and now seven and nine, and, uh, and then a grandson who was 19 at the time just surprised us with that visit, and then the parents. And they all got in clown. Oh. After they saw me in clown on the 4th of July parade, I my, got my sixth character last year, who is Medusa the jellyfish clown, and I wear 21 pounds of garbage on me for awareness of the plastic pollution problem because we're making really, really, really big art in Washed Ashore. Go to washedashore.org and see this these huge sea creatures made out of plastic and other garbage on the beach. Wow. And they saw me and my um, step-granddaughter absolutely adored me. I mean, she just clung on to me. She was hugging me. She was just dancing with me in the community park. And so the next day I says, well, do you want to be in clown? And by the end of the day, I had everybody in clown, including my husband. But I wasn't in clown with him on the same day. I was just putting people into clown. So then on our anniversary weekend for Cranberry Fest weekend, 
I convinced him the way we'd celebrate is we'd both be in clown together for the first time. So it's oh. only happened once. So oh, far. my, but I, I'm so positive <laughs> that you are <laughs> a much less chaotic family of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and probably a lot prettier too because we I was like I I was like here this felt pen will work for makeup I was, it was just <laughs> oh gosh oh no seriously I was like, I re- at one point for the white on the face I was like I don't have any white I don't have I know I'll use that Peniston diaper rash cream <laughs> I was very creative as a mom you know you do what you have to. <laughs> Oh, oh it's been so wonderful having you here. Now you mentioned one website. What what this is your moment to plug whatever you want to plug. I've definitely seen a beautiful, beautiful clown book of yours that shows your many manifestations of self. And I'm gonna offer it to anybody who writes in to me um at LynetteLouise.com and says clownsular, I will I will actually support you by purchasing that book and hand it out. I'll hand out uh, three. So if anybody oh, wants wow. to do that, yeah, there you go. Um, and that's my gift to you because you've been such a great support and uh, my gift to whoever wants to have a look at that. And then is there any website you would like to tell people about? Uh, you did mention one or do you want to, if there's anybody who has something to share, would you like to invite them to send a manuscript? What, what, what can I do for you right now? Yeah. Well, um, my husband and I have www rdrpublishers.com um, RDRs for Robert D. Reed okay. and org is just one of my passions and there's Medusa the jellyfish clown is you know on there and if anybody wanted to see pictures there's a lot of clown photo albums on blurb.com with just putting Cleon Reed in the search engine beautiful Beautiful. Yeah. And I love this washedashore.org concept. I hope that that uh, spreads awareness and does what you yeah. want to do for you. That's, that's, Are you that's looking global appeal. Yeah. Are you looking for anything particular as publishers or just if someone wants to send in a query? Well, we like authors who really um, are out there promoting their book. We have a lot of authors like yourself who do workshops and seminars and you know are out there and their books are part of their their package of what they're offering um we've published memoirs we've published um self-help books we've got three books on autism including yours of course we've got one on alzheimer we're right now getting into doing some books on eating disorders we have a lot of books on success and business and you know just trade paperbacks yeah Okay, I yeah. think that that helps people to know, and if they've got a yeah. special story to share, they can send that yeah. into making audio. the world. It's making the world better, one book at a time. There you go. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, mm-hmm. Cleon, for being willing to share your stories and your thoughts. And uh, we loved having you. I loved having you here on the show, and I'm sure everybody loved listening. And thank you. Oh, thank you. Went really fast. Good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, then. Great talking with you. Bye now. Bye bye. All right, and that was our guest, Cleone Reed from Robert D. Reed Publishers, The Clownsular. Actually, I just love that clownsular concept. So, you waited for it? Here it is, Stories from the Road. I'm going to bring this all together. You know I travel internationally. 
and uh, I was working with a family in India. I just arrived there and didn't know the child at all. And their biggest problem with this child was they, they could not get the child to speak or, or look in their eyes, and yet they knew that she had some skills. Now, she was multiply handicapped, so she, she had, a, you know, a lot of difficulties. And I right away come in, and I'm goofy and silly, and I start singing Dominica, which was a funny choice in the first place because, I mean, she's in India. She's not in France. I'm singing a French song for no reason whatsoever, except that it came to my mind. I was just spontaneously doing what came natural. And she turned and she looked at me and I saw her run around. I only know like a few words of the song. So I'm like Dominicaing everywhere and I'm watching her watch me. So I thought, well, she wants the performance. So let's go for the performance. I don't, you know, kind of grab at her or anything like that. I'm just noticing that she's really watching me. I'm pointing to my eyes and giving her a thumbs up and I'm singing and I'm being silly. And in the background, I can hear the family arguing and fighting. And as soon as that pitch gets loud enough that it overtakes my Dominica Nika Nika, um, she stops looking at me and she cocks her head and she pulls inward. So I, you know, I put these things together and I continue to be silly and I pop my head out and I say, hey guys, can you take it outside? <laughs> you know, and then I play with her some more. And before the end of that first three hours, this little girl who doesn't talk is singing Dominica Nica Nica, the few lines that I know, and uh, saying an approximation for the word juggle, which, by the way, I'm a bad juggler. I had depth perception problems. I've worked on it for years. Fortunately, autistic kids don't require that I be good at juggling, just that I'm able to make about eight passes with the balls. So I often get kids who are really interested in juggling and will we'll start trying to talk with the word juggle. So I'm juggling these, you know, items from her playroom and I'm singing Dominica and I'm doing somersaults. And, you know, by the end of the three hours, she's hugging me, she's singing, she's going for juggle. And it's really very exciting. And I come out and I'm explaining to the family and they're just completely incensed that I would be so ridiculously goofy. And this is why we're doing a, a, a show called Start Clowning Around. So this family has a very different culture than the culture I come from. I respect all cultures. I embrace all cultures. But one has to, no matter what your culture is, recognize the effect your relationship has on your child. And every time they fight, she pulls inward. And they fight outwardly all the time. And goofiness, it's completely not acceptable. So it, at one point, as a matter of fact, I had a hand on the dad's chest and a hand on the mom's chest. And I said, look, we can do this. I can stand in between you while you yell at each other. But you're paying me money to help you with your daughter. So maybe we should, you know, do the, the counseling <laughs> another time. Um, it took several days, but eventually they started to embrace the idea that they could be a different way in relation to their daughter than they were out in the world, that they could give her the lightness of spirit, the lightness of heart. And no word of a lie, within a couple of months, I was getting emails 
from India saying, we are over the moon. She is looking in her eyes. Over the moon. Isn't that cute? Over the moon. <laughs> she is looking in her eyes. She is singing Dominica. She is asking for things. And it was because they weren't chasing her with their voices. They weren't controlling her at every turn. They were inviting her to partake of their joy. And they were clowning around. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher. This is a new spin on autism answers. And today's answer is, go out there and start clowning around. Next week, I'm really excited um, to introduce to you Michael Bren, the travel psychologist. And we're going to talk about travel therapy. Between now and then, remember, keep a big smile on your face and have a whole lot of fun. Hi.